I just want to say welcome to everyone this morning. My name is Adam. I'm the executive pastor here at Better Life Church, and we want to welcome everyone that's here in Moorhead. Let you know we've got a campus that meets in Grayson as well. I want to welcome everyone watching in Grayson, attending Grayson, and then also those that are watching online. It's going to be a great day. Everybody ready for a great day? All right? Come on. That's awesome. Well, guys, just really quickly, uh, if you're new here, or maybe this is your first time in a long time, just really quickly, we just finished up a phenomenal series called Loveology. Who enjoyed the Loveology series? It was an amazing series. Parts of what we talked about were difficult. We talked about relationships. We talked about uh, being single. We talked about dating and being married. And last week, we, we tackled the subject of sex, right? People don't talk about sex in church. Isn't it funny how you spend 12, uh, 16 years, uh, if you go to college and school, and, and you learn all, th- all kind of things about math, right? I love math. Writing, reading, all that kind of stuff. But the things that can like ruin your life, sex, money, you don't talk a whole lot about that, right? Uh, but last week we tackled it. It's amazing. Go back and uh, watch that. If you missed any of that, you can see that on our website, on YouTube, on our app. And I promise you, you put those things into practice, they will have an amazing impact on your life. Well, today, guys, we get to kick off a brand new series. Everybody likes new series. It's called March Madness. Anybody like March Madness? This is a great time of the year. It's probably my favorite time of the year in terms of a sporting go, Super Bowl, World Series, uh, the NBA playoffs, all those kinds of things. I love March Madness. I love the NCAA tournament. I'm a huge UK basketball fan. Anybody any UK fans in the house? Come on. I'm sure we got a few uh, Dukies and Louisville uh, fans in the house too. Probably just, that's good right there. Just, just stay quiet. That's awesome. Um, tough game last night, but listen, anything can happen. That's what I love about the NCAA tournament. Anything can happen. And uh, that's what this series is really going to be all about. Uh, no particular theme other than Anything can happen, and you're going to hear from some different communicators in our house, and, and we're just going to have a great time with it. But I, as I was preparing for this week, I was thinking, what is it about the NCAA tournament, this March Madness, that I love so much? Well, I think one of the things for me, I, I'm not a natural extrovert. I can kind of put that persona on. Um, most of you know me. I, I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the person that would just soon be kind of over in the corner by myself. That's sort of where I, I, I get refreshed. I get refreshed by spending time by myself, not around a lot of people. Not that I don't like you, not that I don't like hanging out with you. It's just, that's just draining for me. And I know my, my introverts in the house, you guys, you understand that. Uh, but, but during this time, the March Madness, it kind of gives me subject for conversation, right? You talk about where everybody's going to be seated at, who's going to win what games, and, and the results of those games and the crazy finishes. It's, it's time that I get to spend with friends and family members. I hang out with my dad. We watch the UK, hopefully continue to progress through uh, the tournament. I always hate it, though. This is, this is an aside, but it, it, as long as Kentucky continues to win, like I love to watch all the games. But if they lose, it's not going to happen. It's just like, you're dead to me, right? It's just, it's over. There's no in-between. You either love it or you hate it. But anyway, it's that time that, that, that kind of gives me this um, opportunity to get out and, and be uh, social. And so today, I thought, man, 
this would be a, a great thing to talk about. I just felt like that the Lord, and of course, we, we talk about groups and all this kind of thing. We're launching our groups today. It's, it's going to be an amazing event tonight at 6 o'clock. Um, but really, at the end of the day, I think one of the things, we just got out of this relationship series, and really we could have appended this on to the end of that series. But today I want to talk about a relationship that all of us deal with, whether we're young or we're old, whether we're single, whether we're married, or, or anywhere in between. And that's the subject of friendships. See, I believe that the Lord created each of us with a need for friendships, right? We all need friends. And we all would say that we probably have friends, but that term means a lot of different things to different people, especially in the age of technology and, and social media that we live in. I believe that term is, is evolving. A few stats for you here. Uh, I was looking up some things. It says uh, in Facebook, the average adult Facebook user has 328 friends. That's a lot of friends, right? 328. Do you know 328 people, really? I told my wife that last night. I said, did you know that the average user has 328 friends? She's like, well, I've got like 1,000. I was like, of course you do, right? Uh, <laughs> she does this friendship thing way better than I do. So we, we live in an unprecedented age of, of connection but on the, on the heels of that, I also found the stat that says the average American only has what they would describe as two close friends. Now, I, I alluded to the fact I love math. I used to be a math teacher. I understand how average works, right? Average, you add up all the numbers and you divide by the number of numbers. Some of you I just lost there. I, I use the word divide, right? We're talking about fractions like, whoa, I didn't come for that this morning. Uh, what that really means, uh, guys, and I'll be a little stereotypical here t today with some of the things I I'm going to say, but I think in general, and I'm speaking through my own lens, really, I've been preaching to myself all, all week as I've been preparing for this, but guys, we do, we do friendship really bad. We, we're really good at like surface level stuff, but when it comes to like real friendship that we're going to be talking about today, we, we don't do that very well. So when you we talk about the average has two, that probably means that most of the ladies in the house, you've got four or five and most of the guys, the dudes, we got like one or maybe in, in some cases zero. Another stat says 25% of Americans say they have no close friends at all, most of which might be guys. But in any case, today what, what I want to talk about, I want to talk about the subject of friendship. I want to present to you that I, I believe each of us, one, because God has wired us for this need. I believe we're better together. We're going to see that in the scripture today. But we're going to go to the source of truth. We're going to go to the creator of all relationships and see what the Bible has to say about friendships. What does it mean to be a friend? How can, how can we get those friends? How can we be that for someone else? And then why is it that we need this? So if you're ready, uh, Pastor Daniel's not preaching today, but we can do this he does this every week. If you're ready to go, turn to your neighbor and say, let's go. Let's go. All right. If you're taking notes, write this down. We're going to dive into God's Word. Got a lot of scripture today, a lot of which comes from the book of wisdom from Proverbs. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. It is the first thing I believe that the Bible tells us about friends, and that is that we need to choose wisely. We need to choose our friends wisely. That makes sense, right? I, I hear uh, pastor Jacob, he's our student pastor. I hear him say this all the time to our students. And I'll just say here, just take a, a quick commercial break. If you have students in middle school or high school, listen, I understand they don't always want to come, but they need to be a part of the youth ministry. If for no other reason for what I'm, I'm getting ready to talk about, 
They are going to be here. They're going to build friendships, great friendships, real friendships, and they're going to learn how to navigate. Listen, I, there's parts of my life that I would love to go back to, but not middle school. Anybody else? Like, I don't want to go back to middle school. Your, your students, your middle school and high school students, and they need teaching about Jesus, how to apply that to their life on their level at this time in their life. And they get that each and every week. And they have a, a ton of fun. Got to get them here. Every uh, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, it's amazing. So anyway, I hear Pastor Jacob say this all the time. He says, you're the sum of your top five friends. You're the sum of your top five friends. What does that mean? Well, if those stats we just read um, are correct, it's probably even less than that. You're the sum of your top two or three because that's, that's all that you have. But in reality, what that means is if, if all of your friends have filthy mouths, chances are you do too. If uh, your friends on the weekends, they're partying, they're getting drunk, maybe experimenting with drugs, chances are you do too or will soon. If all of your friends, if they uh, talk negatively about their spouse all the time, all the time uh, dogging them, they're gossiping about uh, different things, chances are you do too. You're the sum of your top five friends. We see here, uh, Proverbs twelve twenty six says, the righteous should choose his friends carefully. 1 Corinthians 15, says this, that bad company corrupts good character. So many times, and I see this in some of you, you maybe think uh, I use friendship as an evangelistic tool. That's awesome. Sometimes it works. But more times than not, the weight, the draw towards the negative things in life, the things that we should not be doing, is much stronger. It's much harder to resist than to be able to pull them in the right direction. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, I do want to make a quick distinction here because maybe you're thinking, okay, so I'm supposed to choose my friends wisely, but I, I thought the Bible was all about like loving everybody, being friends with everybody. And I think there's an important distinction here to make. There's a difference between being friendly and those that we call our friends. Right? The Bible says we're to be friendly to everyone. We're to be kind. Uh, Luke 6.27 even goes as far as to say we're to love everyone. But when I say who you call friends, those are the people that you allow to speak into your life, that you allow to influence your life. Yes, Jesus hung out. He spent a lot of time with sinners, but in no way did he allow them to influence his life. So who are those people that you're going to allow to speak into your life? For those of you who are married and have a family, who are those people that you're going to allow your kids to see and have influence in their lives? Because your friends do that as well. The second thing I think the Bible teaches us about friends is friends show up. Friends show up. Now, I don't like this that the Bible says this, but I have found this to be true the older I get. It says, in this world, you will have troubles. In the midst of those troubles, in the midst of those difficult times, friends show up for one another. Maybe you've went through a difficult time in your life. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe uh, you decide to move in the middle of winter. My family and I, we just did that. When you move in the middle of January, you find out who your real friends are, right? A movement is awful. I mean, I don't wish, wish that on my worst enemy. The, the one great thing about moving is you get to get rid of a lot of stuff. When you live somewhere for, for 10 years or more, you accumulate a lot of stuff. It's really kind of crazy. But anyway, when you move, you find out who your real friends are. Who are those people that show up in your life when you need them? Who are those people that maybe come and visit, give you a call, send you a card? They just have a knack for showing up for you. Maybe they bring 
uh, food when you're extra busy or, or, or whatever? Who are those people that's shown up in your life over and over? Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. I love, how, I love the fact how um, the Bible uses these two terms for friend and brother, a term that uh, is generally associated with family. I love how it almost uses it interchangeably there. We see this all throughout the Scripture. And in no way am I trying to say that our family should not be our friend. I, we live in eastern Kentucky here, right? Blood runs deep in these parts. Um, and I understand for some of us, our family is that. I, I am blessed to have a family that I can share my faith with, right? I was raised in a Christian home. My, my, my mom and my dad, they, they demonstrated what it meant to be a, a, a Christian um, couple, married couple. They continue to demonstrate that for uh, my wife and I and, and my kids now. So I know that I'm blessed, but I know that so many of you, you don't have that. And we don't get to choose our family, right? There's no part about our family, the time we were born, where we were born, our race, our nationality, our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, our uncles. We don't have any choice in that. But our friends, we do. And so um, in some cases, our friends can become even closer than our family. And really the common element there is our faith. And so being able to walk in the same direction with someone who's going to show up in your life, who's going to uh, push you on um, to the right things, to take the right steps in your life. That is absolutely uh, necessary in our life. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says this, says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Two people are better off than one. Maybe, maybe you're going through a difficult time in your life and you feel like, man, like I don't have anybody to help me up. I want you to know that there, there are people out there that, that want to be your friend. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how we can, how we can see that happen in our life. The, the next thing that I, I believe the Bible tells us about Friends, and this one's this one's hard. This one's hard. Y'all ready for this one? The next thing the Bible says about friendships is they speak truth. They speak truth. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says this: "As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend." I love this word picture here. I literally in my mind see two swords, right? Maybe two people fighting. And these two swords, they, they, they clang together. I hear this loud, very loud, obnoxious noise. I, I maybe see sparks, maybe debris coming off of the sword. There's nothing, there's nothing fun or easy about that picture. But the end result is the key there, right? What happens? They sharpen one another. In the context of there of the sword or the knife, they become better equipped to do what they were created to do. In the same way, when a friend speaks truth to another friend, yes, it may be difficult to walk through. Yes, it may be difficult to hear. But at the end of the day, the, the point there is that each are better equipped to do what they were created to do. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses 
from an enemy. Who likes to be called out? Anybody? It's a lot of fun. Who likes to be told that they, something that they did hurt somebody else? Here's the reality. I don't often admit this, and I think my wife's in here this, this uh, service, so she can write this down, but I'm not right 100% of the time. Most time we think we are right, it, it feels right. I've put a lot of thought into the, the, what I just said here, but we're not right 100% of the time. We need someone in our life that when we take a step in the wrong direction, they're going to hold us accountable. They're going to speak truth in love into our life and help us sharpen us, keep us heading in the same direction. There's nothing fun about it. It says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses. Friend of enemy. You see, I think a lot of us, one of the criteria we look for in our friends is someone that's just going to agree with us. When we have done something wrong, or maybe even when someone's done something wrong to us, we just want someone to say, you know what? You were 100% right in what you did. Yeah, you're gossiping about them right now, and yeah, you're tearing them down, and and you're not really doing anything to help the situation, but you are 100% right in this situation. And see, I believe the Bible said that's, that's not the kind of friend that we need. We need someone that's going to speak truth into our life. And the same, and listen, there's nothing, there's nothing fun about doing that on either way. I'm not someone who's going to shy away from confrontation when it comes to me face-to-face, but I don't go looking for problems. Maybe you've had the opportunity where you've had to be the person to, to kind of say, hey, uh, when you did that, that hurt me. It's not fun to do that either. But what we see there from the scripture is both people are sharpened when they walk through that process together. You see, I believe that God created friendships really for two reasons. I don't know this 100%, but this is, this is what I think I see from scripture. One, I believe that God created friendships so that they could be leveraged to share with others about him. Maybe you've had the opportunity, you've been, uh, you, what I would call a cold conversation about Christ. You, you've, you've walked up to, some, someone's walked up to you at a mall or at a public place and they want to talk to you about Jesus or maybe someone's handed you a gospel track. I'm not saying those things are wrong at all. I think the Lord uses those. But let me tell you something that's, that's much more highly effective is when two people have built a relationship, they know each other, they know about each other. In that situation, you earn the right to be heard. And guess what? Someone's going to listen. Who knows that you can speak and hear and not understand, right? There's a difference between actually hearing someone and, and actually understanding and listening. So God has given us a relationship. To, in the context of that friendship, we can tell others about him. The second thing I believe and we see that right there from the iron sharpening iron, is that there's something about that friendship that, that, that helps us to overcome the obstacles and the roadblocks that, that have fallen into our life so that we can take ne- next steps and become more like Jesus. All right, so we've talked through all these things. We've talked about how, what the Bible says about truth. We know we're supposed to choose them wisely. We know that friends show up for us. We know that uh, friends speak truth in our life. So now what, right? Now what? See, I think that while we may know this, some of you may be sitting there thinking, and this is really what, what I, I want to see happen today, is you sit there and you evaluate 
your friends in your life. You say, well, you know, maybe I don't really have someone like that in my life. What I'm, what I'm trying to present to you today is that we need these relationships in our life. And I would say so much more, and I know that um, when I look across the congregation this morning, some of you are new believers, or you're, you're, you're fairly new to the faith. I, I, can, I can remember that. I, I was saved at an early age. I don't remember the exact date, the exact time. But somewhere between my, my junior and senior year in high school, uh, I went to a church camp that I went to growing up. I loved going to this church camp every year. Most of the things that I loved about going to that church camp had nothing to do with Jesus. But I loved going to this church camp every single year. And uh, that particular year, um, it was in June of, uh, I believe, 1997. And uh, right before I was starting my senior year, I finally came to the point where I just surrendered. And I said, God, I, I went to the altar on a Thursday evening. I said, God, I don't know what you want to do with my life, but the answer is yes. And I can remember just as real as I'm right here. I remember uh, just right after that, I, I played football and baseball in high school. And, and quickly after the camp was over, uh, we started back into our summer practice for football. And I can remember how quickly I fell back into the old patterns of things that I used to do. And I was so disappointed in myself because I was like, man, I'm finally nailing this down. I'm not going to waste my senior year. I'm going to, you know, try to live a life and be an example to others around me. And so quickly I fell back into those old patterns. And I can remember praying to God, God, please send me someone that I can do this with. I cannot do this alone. I cannot stand against the temptations that are coming at me from every, everywhere. I'm just not that strong. And I, I can remember that. And maybe that's your prayer today. That's what you're praying for. You're not necessarily, you're praying for a friend. And I want you to know that friend is out there. But maybe, maybe there are a few things that are some roadblocks that are, that are hindering you from taking this uh, step in your life. Here's a couple things. First off, you got to realize your need for real friendship. You see, I think um, when, it, when it comes to speaking truth, when it comes to showing up for other people in your life, I think one of the hindrances, one is we don't realize, especially guys, we don't realize that we have a need for this real friendship in our life. We like to keep people at an arm's distance, right? Nobody really knows what's going on inside, the real me, right? We, we got the, hey, how you doing? How was your weekend? How's the wife? How's the kids? We got that down, right? And, and that works out well. But we like to keep people in arm's distance. They don't really know what's going on with the real person inside. So we gotta, we got to stop that. But, but really, the, the next thing, I, and I've talked a little bit about this already today, but we need to evaluate our use of social media. And I know, listen, social media is an awesome thing. Technology is an awesome thing. Literally, there are probably, across our entire world, there's probably more people today inside the walls of church. There's probably more that are attending church through the platform of social media and technology all across the world, literally hundreds of thousands. That's an amazing thing. Social media, technology is an awesome resource. There's nothing inherently bad or good about it. But I think there's some, some things that are beginning to develop some trends in our culture that could potentially be a hindrance to real friendship in our life. Studies are beginning to show that the reason that we post something online is really triggered by a, a need for a, a, a feeling of loneliness or insecurity, right? Even something as, 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 uh, as innocent as 
um, posting a picture of our kids online is really the, 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 the thing behind that is, hey, look at my, look at my kids, right? It, it's, it's something, you know, and, and so instead of filling that void for loneliness, study, science is showing that when, whenever we get that post or that, that like or that comment, it actually triggers the release of a chemical in our brain called dopamine. And that, in, in just regular uh, uses, that's not anything that's, that's bad for us. But when we start posting over and over and over and over again, it's actually something that becomes a, a, an addiction in our life. We get, we get addicted to that release of dopamine. It's, it's, it's uh, something that goes into the pre- pleasure center of our brain. And it's something that becomes an unhealthy addiction in our life. And instead of feeling the need for real personal interaction, what ends up happening is it only defers that loneliness and in some case deepens it. We live in a world where we're more connected than ever. But I can tell you from personal experience, I've never seen the amount of anxiety and depression and loneliness and insecurity that's running rampant in our world today. How is it that we're more connected than ever, but at the same time, we're not healthy. We're missing that real friendship. Another thing that I think we need to to evaluate is we've got to think others first. Friendship at the very base level is not about ourselves, And we see this all throughout the scripture, that Jesus calls us to live a life that's others first. Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself. 80%, eight out of 10 things that we do online, particularly with social media, is centered on ourself, right? The whole selfie culture, that the whole point of that is taking a picture of ourself, right? And once again, I'm not saying that those things are bad, but when it's overused, it creates an unhealthy addiction and pattern in our life. You know, I, I, I'm not this old, but I can, I can remember hearing my grandparents, even my parents, I can remember when I was really young, people used to just kind of show up at your house and stay for hours, right? Some of you just like kind of go into convulsions thinking about somebody just showing up at your house and wanting to come and hang out for a while, right? There used to be this thing where people would actually call you on the phone and you would talk for a long time on the phone, right? That is almost completely gone. I talk to our team all the time that the, uh, a handwritten note, a card, is something that's almost completely obsolete. We've begun to do friendship on our own terms, right? Now what happens is we, we send an email. Of course, nobody checks their email, right? We send a text, and, you know, sometimes you get that, that text and you don't want to respond to it. So here, here's, here's what you do. You don't actually click on it, right? Because if you click on the text, they, they see that you've read it and they're going to expect a response. So you, you, you don't check it until you're actually ready to respond, right? We've we begun to do friendship on our own terms when in reality, the Lord has lived, called us to live a life that is centered on others, that thinks about others more highly than Ourself, and the last thing, maybe uh, maybe something that's blocking us from having these real uh, friendships in our life, is that we need to be an encourager. We talked a lot about speaking truth, and uh, you know that's something that's essential. But you can't just speak truth all the time, right? You've got to be an encourager. You've got to you've got to lift up. You've got to build up 
other people, saying some nice things. You've got to throw a little sugar in there with that spice, right? First Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, a lot of times this, this passage from uh, Hebrews is used in the context of, hey, you need to come to church. And that's awesome, and I think that fits. But I also, I think there's an application there in what we're talking about today. Don't neglect to meet together. There's something, there's something powerful that happens in face-to-face interaction. I love the fact that through technology, we can be connected with people that are, uh, you know, that have moved away, that are living literally across, uh, you know, miles and miles away. But there's something powerful about face-to-face, about meeting together, practicing the power of presence in our life. There's, there's just, there's something to that. The other thing I would say there is that the words that we say, they have power. And if all you're doing, maybe this is context, maybe some of you need to hear this in your parenting. My wife and I, we talk about this all the time. We got to pick our battles, right? You can't just speak truth. Yeah, it might be true. You might need to change this or that in your life, but you also have to encourage. It's through his kindness that leads us to repentance. We see that in the scripture. Yeah, God knows everything we do, that we've done. And he could, he could be that person that he could be honest all the time. But it says it's through his kindness. We've got to be kind. We've got to use our words to lift people up. So, we've learned a lot about friendship today. And here's my point. We need these people in our life. And we've got a next step for you today. One of the best ways, not the only but way, but the best way that you can find these friends, as you're thinking through this, what, 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 what do I do from here? One of the best ways is to jump into a group here at Better Life Church. And guess what? We're launching groups today. Isn't that amazing? We've got groups night tonight, 6 o'clock p.m. You guys check out this video. We've been... Uh going to uh, Better Life Church now for about 10 years, and uh, about six and a half or seven years ago, we decided to uh, join a small group, and uh, been associated with small groups, The small groups are a big part of our lives. Well, we start with Tony and Paula, but when we got to Olive Hill to join this group, there was another couple that went to church here that we would always see them on Sunday afternoons in Walmart, we'd always say, man, they're so nice, we like to know those people. Well, they end up being in that group. So we all just got close. We took a vacation together. And Tony and Paula, we actually, when we sold our house, we lived with them for two months till our house was ready. These are people that we do life with. You know, this, this is our life group. They're, they're our family. And uh, we think about them every day, pray for them every day. We're there for uh, the trials of life. We support each other, uh, cry with each other. Uh, we're just always here. So what brought you all to groups? I go to Pound with Tabitha Sims, and so her and Morgan Burkhart um, were part of that, like, workout. I would hear them talk often about, you know, in group we did this, or our group's going to do this, and they talked about different things that they did together, and so I just kind of invited most of 
myself to their group. I was like, well, the next time you guys have group, let me know. I would love to come. And um, so that semester when group started, um, I started going. And we didn't go to Better Life at the time. I started going with them to the group. And then um, there's just something about the, the group in itself and just how things are, are built that when you share with people the way that the groups allow you to share, then you kind of crave to worship with them. Having that group and those you know, close relationships, it made the church feel smaller. And so when God you know, was telling us, I think it's time to move, we just kind of naturally came to better life because of the relationships that we had built in small group. Because you're not going to know everybody, right. but you need to know somebody. What's good too is that, you know, like if you're in one group, then, you know, somebody there knows somebody over in this group, and then you, you, you intertwine. You know, I like that too. And then you get to know more people that way. You become such close friends that you think your friends before were friends, but you find out that it's just a total different world. They're so much closer. The support that we have for each other, and you know, no matter what you're going through, the trials you're going through in life, knowing that these people are thinking, thinking of you, they're praying for you, and they're, they're there every step of the way. It just means a lot. It can be really scary. It can be super awkward, and you don't think that you want to share those intimate parts of yourself with people you don't know. But like you guys said, they become family. And when you hear their stories and you start to feel closer to them, then it starts to open you up and, hey, this person is going through something very similar to me, so I feel more comfortable now hearing them, I can share. Sometimes, I guess, it's just stepping out on faith, too, even though you aren't comfortable. I mean, God kind of pushes us to do things we don't think we would ever expect to do. I think uh, one thing I would say to people that haven't been in a group and are thinking about it is, uh, you know, visit a group and uh, just see what it's like and uh, continue until you find it. Or maybe you need to host a group. The ability to have a group where, you know, it's other married people with kids, you know, with young kids or whatever, um, it just helps you to relate to people better. Right now, I mean, our, our kids are with our close friends that we developed through, through you know, church and small groups. Um, and I, I feel 100% confident that my boys are getting taken care of right now through building that relationship and knowing that, you know, our friends are Christian, strong Christian friends. There are times when you're, you know, parenting and you feel completely lost and alone just in that moment of have no idea how to deal with this. There's a well of experience in that group of parenting and they can at least tell you you're not alone. This happens to everybody. You know, we vacation uh, as, as a small group for, or the couples that are available to go. So we've done, uh, we've done the cabins in Tennessee and this uh, past summer we went to Volano Beach in St. Augustine. You know, you, you rarely get to know uh, the people group uh, when it's uh, seven in the morning you just got up that first cup of coffee you get to see the the second layer of uh, not just uh, when I you're here you know, open it. <laughs> oh, yeah. we love to have you right. anytime awesome. you're gonna show us too that you know christians we can have fun we can oh, have fun well, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. right. well, and i'm just sitting here thinking like you know how small group reaches so many different age levels. You know, there are people that were in the small group that I was in that were younger than me. And then, you know, it goes all the way up through us and families and, you know, 
So it's what makes it work. You know, you've got to, as you as you grow uh, larger, you need to grow small, and the small groups uh, is the is the way to accomplish that. Well, there you've got it. Some of you you've been coming to our church for a long time, and and you know you come in on Sunday, you slip out, and and really you've not gotten connected into the life of the church. Our groups is one great way to take a step in, to get to know people. You see, the church is not just a building, the church is the people. And if you've not made any connections, you've not uh, made friends within our church, I hope you see today that it's not just about making friends, but they are essential in our life. Tonight at six, we're gonna come together, we're gonna have some uh, time for you to meet different group hosts and see who you click with. Maybe at one time you, you tried out the group thing and, and you just, it, you didn't click or whatever. It's okay that you, you don't have to click with everyone. That's why we're doing this tonight. You're going to get to meet different hosts and, and find that one that, that works for you. And, and, and listen, if you don't find it, maybe that means you're supposed to host uh, a group yourself. But we hope to see you six o'clock tonight. It's going to be great. It's going to be, we're going to have a lot of fun. And at the end of the day, you're going you're gonna to find friends. We say this all the time. You're going to find friends that you never even knew that you had. I'm going to ask you if you would to bow your head. Today we've talked all about this relationship of friendship. And maybe for some of you, you, you just need to, to take the plunge and jump in, find a group that works for you. For others of you, maybe for the first time you've realized that, man, I, I really need this friendship in my life. For some of you, maybe you, you've never taken that first step to accept the friendship that Jesus wants to give to all of this. We see in the scripture, John 15, 13 says that no man has a greater love than this, that one would lay his life down for his friends. Church, that's what Jesus did for each and every one of us. Before he ever, we ever even existed he laid his life down. He paid the penalty for our mess-ups. And so today, we said this at the beginning, you don't have to leave the same way you came in today. If today, if you've realized that, hey, I need to give my life to the Lord, I want you to know you can do that right now. Romans 10, 9 says, if you uh, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's all there is. That's all there is. It's a free gift. There's nothing we can do to earn it. If that's you here today, I want to just, you can just pray this prayer with me. I'm going to say, Father, I've blown it. I've messed up. I've tried to live life on my terms. But today I want to accept the friendship that you have offered to me. I need that in my life. I've tried everything I can to do life my own way. But today, as best as I know how, I want to follow you as the Lord of my life. I don't understand everything about it, but I believe that you lived, that you died, and three days later, you got up out of the grave declaring your victory over death, hell, and the grave. And because you live, I can live as well. If you just prayed that prayer with me today, listen, I want to be able to pray for you. I want to be able to, to know that you made that decision because at the end of the day, we cannot live this life by ourselves. If you would, just slip your hand up real quick. I'm not going to come to you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hands going up all across the building. 
I want you to know the decision you made today is the greatest decision that you could ever make. But it doesn't end here. Salvation begins in an instant, but it's something that you walk out the entire rest of your life. And today, we have an area that's designed just for you. We want to be that friend. We want to show up for you today. And here in just a moment, I'm going to pray. When I begin praying, some of our Next Steps team members, they're going to get up and they're going to go to the back and go to the Next Steps area. It's the big red room out in the lobby. And I would invite you here and in Grayson, even online, there's a place where you can click and let us know that you just made that decision. I would ask that you would just get up and exit with them. And like I said, we've got some resources. We just want to help you get started in this journey with Jesus. Last thing I would say today, some of you here today, you've realized that, you know what, I need these friends in my life. And you know, I wish that we could, but the reality is we cannot make people do what we want them to do. The only, the only person we can control is ourselves. And so here's what I would challenge you to do this week. Who in your life needs this friend right now? Who in your life needs someone to show up for them? Who in your life maybe needs some truth spoken to them, some encouragement? Be that friend for them this week. And here's what I promise you. If you'll be that friend for someone, someone will be that friend for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much. Lord, once again, just to being able to be here together today. God, we thank you for meeting with us. We thank you for those that just gave their life to you today. God, we know that, that all of heaven is celebrated because of those decisions that were made today. God, I thank you for your friendship. But God, I thank you that we can be friends with one another. And God, help just that we can help one another through this life. It's, it's very difficult at times. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.